So in Romans 9, we have Paul expressing his concern about his uh, brethren, the uh, Israelites in the flesh, the people who uh, have received the promises and the covenants and the law. And he's concerned about them because he said that uh, if uh, God is for us, nothing can be against us. And I am persuaded that uh, neither uh, life or death or principalities or powers or things present or things to come, whatever it is, can separate us from the love of God. And so he's saying to himself, well, then why has not Israel been saved? Now, we come to this verse, which is incredibly badly misunderstood by many, many people. It says in verse 6, But it is not as though the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children, because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. Now, this has been, as I say, seriously misunderstood. What people tend to think about in uh, understanding this is this. This is how they tend to think. Well, I'm really concerned about Israel because God has said that nothing can separate us from his love, and yet God hasn't saved them yet. And uh, I'm, I would rather die myself and be cursed and separated from Christ if, for the sake of my brethren, according to the flesh. But not to worry, they're not true Israel anyway. We just, uh, uh, the ones who are true Israel are the believers, so the others are going to hell. We needn't worry about them. Now, if you think that's a caricature and that I'm being very unfair, I may be with some uh, Christian believers who hold this kind of view, but I'm not really being totally unfair. Some couple of years ago, I read or uh, entered a website that truly shocked me where this uh, preacher basically said that. He said, well, you know, Romans 9 teaches that there's only going to be a remnant of Israel. The rest will be lost, but we are not to worry because we are elected as Christians and we are safe. Well, you know, that's like saying, I'm worried about all my family uh, and whether they'll uh, be saved or not. God hasn't saved them. But I'm thankful for Charlie and Mary because they're saved and I needn't worry about the rest because they're going to hell and they're not true Israel anyway. That is an attitude that is utterly appalling. And it is not what Paul is talking about, for goodness sake. What Paul is talking about here, and it'll be clear as I unfold it with you uh, for you over the next uh, many days, uh, what Paul is saying is that, look, we needn't worry because God has his way of saving people, and true Israel are spiritual Israel. And because God saves people not simply because of the line they've come through, through Abraham. Um, he saves them as he puts faith in their lives. So he goes about putting faith in the lives of one and another and then others and others, and he elects them for salvation. But he is not ignoring physical Israel 
literal Israel because that's the whole point of of chapter 9 and 10 and 11. So then he comes later on to um, the promise where that he quotes from the Old Testament where he says, um, and so all Israel will be saved as it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Now, obviously, he's talking about literal Israel there. The deliverer comes out of Zion. That's the literal place in Jerusalem. And he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. The the descendants of Jacob are literal Israel, of course. Uh, For this is my covenant with them. God made a covenant with literal Israel when I take away their sins. So what Paul is saying is that the salvation of Israel doesn't come about as we would have expected, that all Israel would suddenly flow into the kingdom because of the realization that Jesus, their Messiah, has come. No, he's saying he's, God is setting about bringing the spirit of faith into the hearts of Israel, and he does it bit by bit, gradually over time, and that's what chapter 9 is all about, and then climaxes to chapter 11, where all of Israel finally come in. So this is an enormously encouraging passage for all of us because we worry about our family members, we worry about our children and our parents and our loved ones, and the message is, take heart. God has his way of saving people, and he will do it in his way. So look at that way. Verse 6 It is not that the word of God has taken no effect. In other words, it is not that the word of God has failed, not at all. And again, I say to you, there are many people who feel that the word of God has failed because they feel that God made a covenant with Israel, but Israel was disobedient and broke the conditions of the covenant, and therefore they'll be lost. So in a way, though they don't want to put it into words, God's promise to them failed because Israel didn't come through. Well, look, if it depends on whether we come through or not, then we will all be lost. The salvation of the world or the salvation of any one individual does not depend on whether he or she comes through, but whether God comes through for him. There has been such an upside-down reversal of Christian teaching in uh, over many hundreds of years now, and it appears to Christians that it's all about whether we accept. Oh, my goodness. If it were about whether we accept, then I tell you we would not be saved because human beings are so corrupted, so broken down, that we do not have the capacity to accept. We are chained in darkness. We are in bondage. We are prisoners of sin, it says in Romans 11.32. How can we accept unless God comes to us? The salvation that the Scriptures teach, the salvation that Christ brings about, is not a salvation in which we climb up to God. It is a salvation in which God comes down and reaches down to us. That is so encouraging, isn't it? 
I mean, I think of my own life and I think of my uh, troubled childhood where I was worried and afraid and, um, well, I won't say technically paranoid, but very frightened of the world and life and what it meant. I couldn't understand things. I tried to search through things as a 10-year-old, 11, 12-year-old boy. And uh, everything seemed to be dark and mysterious and frightening. And yet, I went to a meeting that I had no idea about in regard to the Christian faith. That's not well put grammatically. I went to a meeting that I thought was a meeting on flying saucers <laughs> as a 15-year-old boy, but it was actually a meeting about the second coming of Jesus Christ. I'd never heard of such a thing before. I had never opened my Bible or even handled one in my life, as far as I remember. And I heard this message of the soon return of Jesus, and instantly I believed it. I didn't argue it. I just instantly sensed it was true and right and believed it. Now, let me ask you, where did that instinct come from? From me or from God? Was I searching for God, or was he searching for me? Did I receive and accept him, or did he accept me? Now, you may say, yes, well, Colin, my experience is different. I remember when I went forward at a Billy Graham meeting, you might say, and I accepted Christ. Well, no. Don't be too sure. Of course you accepted Christ, of course. I'm not doubting that. But... How come you went to the meeting in the first place, and what led you to go forward? It was God calling you. Jesus said, No man comes to me unless the Father draws him. And what God is doing throughout the world is drawing people. He is drawing them to uh, himself and uh, through his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, you may be on the edge of salvation. You may be tittering, tittering, teetering on the edge. You don't know whether you're a Christian or not. You've got too many troubles in your life, and you just don't think you're good enough for God. And so you're full of doubts. You've wanted to, you've wanted to go to church many times, but you back off at the last minute. And uh, there are so many troubles in your life that you think God can't possibly be loving you and blessing you or even caring about you. Well, let me tell you, all of that is poppycock. God loves you with all of his heart, and it is not whether you are teetering on the edge of salvation or not. It is the fact that God is drawing you and calling you. And I say to you that, therefore, what you need to do is to say, Father, thank you for this unsettled spirit within me, that wants to know you, but is scared of knowing you. I'm no longer afraid of my fear, because your love and your drawing power is greater than my fear, and I accept that you are drawing me to your Son, Jesus Christ. And then open your Bible, and go to, the say, the book of John, and read it for yourself, and you will see that God has indeed been drawing you to his heart. So it is not as though the word of God has taken no effect, for they, for they are not all of Israel who are, are Israel. In other words, you're not a Christian because you're a human being. You're not a Christian because you live in the West or uh, you are American or something or because you live in Europe. You're a Christian because God is drawing you. 
nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham, but in Isaac your seed shall be called. Now let me uh, talk to you just for a minute or two about Israel. I I mentioned to you the other day what Israel means. Israel means you fought with God and won. You may be battling doubt and wondering whether to become a Christian or not, or maybe you're a Christian already and you still wonder whether you're on the right track and you feel you're backsliding. When you fight with God, it is God fighting with you. But it is not God fighting against you, it is God fighting for you against your doubts. So, Again, lift up your heart and again say, Father, I thank you that in this fight that I feel I'm having with you, it is you really fighting with me and not fighting against me, Lord, but fighting for you. And so I am confident in what you are doing for me and not what I am doing to get to you. Well, thank you for listening to me today, uh, everybody. This is Colin Cook, and you've been listening to How It Happens, a broadcast on the good news. You can hear it on your smartphone. Simply download download a free app, soundcloud.com or uh, spotify.com or podbean.com and key in How It Happens with Colin Cook when you get there. And may I ask you to help uh, keep the broadcast going. It is listener-supported radio. It's a 25-year-old program, uh, but it relies upon you to keep going. So if you would like to make a donation, it would be so very much appreciated. Please send your donation to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. That's FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160 or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. That's faithquestradio.com. I do appreciate all your support, your one-time donations or your regular monthly donations, and your little notes that you send sometimes along with them. And please don't be afraid that I will um, trouble you with lots of literature. I won't. Thank you so much. I'll see you next time then. Cheerio and God bless.